For an opening passage this morning, I invite you to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. To me, this is one of the most beautiful stories of God's grace that I know of. I'd like you to notice in this account that the love of God and the grace of God flowed through one of God's children to an unworthy recipient. Notice also that King David was only the conduit through which the grace of God flowed. And the unworthy recipient was a grandson of one of David's greatest enemies, King Saul. And brothers and sisters, I think if you and I will look close enough, you will recognize and see yourself in this story as well. And I encourage you to do that this morning. The title of the message, My Name is Mephibosheth. So I'd like to look at the text. That would be 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3. And the king said, speaking of David, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness unto him? Did I read it right? I think I must have missed something. Let me try that again. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? To me, this passage, these, this phrase here, has been a tremendous challenge and inspiration to me. And I was amazed this morning and I, as I heard the songs that we sang and as we went through the Sunday school lesson, I thought, wow, how they tie together. And I was tremendously blessed this morning. You know this question that David asked here, you know, it was a lot to even think that David would think this intellectually in his head, much less to verbalize it with his mouth. Remember with me that King David had hunted David relentlessly for years. He was seeking to snuff out his life. Remember also that Saul's son, Jonathan, and the tremendous love and kinship between David and he, or he and David. If I have it right, it was approximately 20 years since Saul and Jonathan were killed on Mount Gilboa by the Philistines. And I ask you, why would David ask this question? Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? Well, I think there's good reason that David asked that question. And I think we can go back for an answer to 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 14 and 15. We have here the covenant that David and Jonathan made together. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 14 and 15. Uh, Jonathan speaking, And thou shalt not only, while yet I live, show me thy kindness of the Lord, and that I die not, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. And drop down to verse 17. And Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own son. And as I think, 
you know, maybe some people would have thought, well, you know, is there somebody that I can show kindness to? But David said, is there not somebody left that I can show the kindness of God to? And that phrase, of God, I just thought was tremendous because we know that the kindness of God is an agape love. What is an agape love? An agape love is expecting nothing in return. Do you, do I have an agape love for others? What about our enemies? I don't know. I was just tremendously blessed by this, this passage and this text. I would like to read this passage, the, the whole chapter, chapter 9. And I'd like to ask you, what can we learn from this beautiful story? And how does this story parallel our own? And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him the kindness of Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called unto him David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face. And I think another version said he prostrated himself. He fell on his face. He prostrated himself before David. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. Verse 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Notice this comes up again and again. Verse 8. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called, to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore, and thy sons and thy servants, shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants, then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table. How? As a visitor? Something else? He shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that, that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table, and he was laying on both his feet. I'd like to consider verses 1 to 3 and call this David's unconditional covenant. Usually it seems when a covenant is made but it's inked between two or more individuals or parties. 
And often when one of those individuals die, the covenant is terminated. But not so in this case. David had sworn a covenant of love to Jonathan while he lived. And beyond that, he said, But ye shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. You know, Mephibosheth was a constant reminder of an, an enemy of David. King Saul, long ago, was an enemy. Mephibosheth was a reminder of this enemy. But you know, David had a choice to make. He had a choice to do one of two things. He could kill Saul's offspring, or he could honor the covenant that he had made with Jonathan. And you know what happened. Now the second point of the message, I'd like to consider in verses 3b to verse 8, I'd like to think about the disabilities of Mephibosheth. Notice in verse 3, he was lame in both feet. Why was he lame? The nation of Israel was thrown into a panic when the king Saul and Jonathan were killed in, in the battle at Mount Gilboa. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Thinking about what happened to Mephibosheth. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Through no fault of his own, Mephibosheth was injured by a trusted servant. Mephibosheth was maimed for life. Mephibosheth was damaged goods. He didn't measure up to a lot of other people. And there's a parallel that we could think here, brothers and sisters. There, there might be times when you or I have been injured by a trusted friend. Maybe we've been unloaded for someone that's more appealing. Maybe someone has gossiped around about us. Somebody has slandered us. Those things can be difficult. Maybe somebody dropped us and you feel like that you've been injured. But let's be careful about placing blame. It's kind of easy when something happens to us to point fingers and say, well, the reason I am like I am is because of somebody else. Let's be careful when doing that. Yes, we recognize that Mephibosheth was lame in his feet. Secondly, we find out in verse 5 that Mephibosheth lived in a distant city. He lived in Lodabar. And I ask the question, why was Mephibosheth living in this city so far away from Jerusalem? I thought about bringing a map. We have a, a little map, but I was afraid you couldn't see it very well anyway, so I didn't bring it. But... Jerusalem is fairly near the, the, the center of Israel. And then if you go east, you go, across the, you go across the Jordan River. And the town of the city of Lodabar was approximately 70 miles northeast of Jerusalem. That's as the crow flies. Now, as the camel walks, it probably was close to 100, feet, 100 miles. 
But Mephibosheth was living in this distant town. I think it's in the modern-day Jordan. I don't know how far it would have been from, from Daniel Miller's. But it's, it's in Jordan. It's up on a, on a higher plane, a plateau. And it's my understanding that Lodabar means no pasture or no word. Lodabar was a desolate place. Little vegetation. It was a barren place. It was unfruitful. It's where a city where nobody's lived. It was a drab place, a place of little hope. And this is where Mephibosheth was, was at. We notice he was lame in his feet and he lived in a distant, distant city in Lodabar. And maybe we'd ask, why did he live at that place? Thirdly, I'd like to suggest that Mephibosheth was probably a fugitive. Notice in verse 8 that we find out, 2 Samuel 9, verse 8, And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I? Why did Mephibosheth refer to himself as a dead dog when he came to face to face with King David? It's my understanding that when a new king comes into power, the descendants of the previous king or the previous dynasty killed the descendants from the previous king. So if you were, if you were Mephibosheth and the king had summoned you, you were the only survivor of King Saul, and the king summoned you to come into his presence, imagine how miserable that trip would have been. Let's say he had 100 miles to go, and he wasn't riding in an air-conditioned edge or whatever vehicle you had. He most likely was riding a donkey. probably took him close to a week to make that trip. You were living in an obscure town, maybe in enemy territory, and you were headed most likely to your own execution. No wonder Mephibosheth referred to himself as a dead dog. The third point of the message, I'd like to consider now something a little more beautiful about and thinking about the recipient of unmerited favor in verses 9 to 13, the recipient of unmarried, unmerited favor. What was the unmerited favor that Mephibosheth received? And I'm not going to go over these, read them all again, but I'd like to suggest that Mephibosheth was expecting something and he received something else. Remember, we're talking about the goppy love of God. David wanted to, to share he wanted to give some agape love, a love that expected nothing in return to an enemy or a son of an enemy. Mephibosheth was expecting death and he received life. Remember, we want to, I would like you to consider your own life and what before you came to Christ, you was in the barren, barren places and you had sin in your life and you were expecting death, but you were offered life. Verse 7, David said, Mephibosheth came to David, maybe expecting to be executed. And what did David say? He said, fear not. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to provide for you. 
Instead of experiencing death, Mephibosheth experienced life. Secondly, instead of poverty, Mephibosheth experienced provision. Instead of poverty, he he experienced provision. You can read that in verses 7 to 9. The third thing he received, instead of harsh treatment, Mephibosheth experienced kindness. Verse 7. Fourth thing, instead of rejection, Mephibosheth experienced acceptance. Most of us, do you like to be accepted? All of us, we like to be accepted. We want to be accepted. He was expecting rejection. But he experienced acceptance. And oh, what a beautiful thing it is to be accepted by another, and especially God. Fifthly, Mephibosheth was was expecting ridicule, and he experienced identity. Verse 11. And the sixth thing, he probably was expecting to be considered as an outcast, and yet he was treated as a son. In verse 11. And so in this account of unmerited favor, there's four different times that David speaks of Mephibosheth as eating at his table continually. In verses 7 you see that, verse 10 you see it, verse 11 and verse 13. Speaking of eating continually at my table. That wasn't once a month, it wasn't once a week, it wasn't once a day, but continually. Every day, every meal, David said, I want Mephibosheth to eat at my table. Why did King David desire that Mephibosheth would continually eat at his table? I ask you, as you think of this story, what did Mephibosheth have to offer to the king? What did Mephibosheth bring to the table? Mephibosheth was a nobody. He was physically handicapped for life. His his existence was a reminder of disgrace from the previous kingdom. Mephibosheth had been called out of enemy territory. And he was a fugitive with the threat of death hanging over his head. What did he have to offer the king at the table? And I would like you to remember this. Mephibosheth's past life did not define his future. I'm going to say that again. And I want us to think about our life. Maybe some of you feel like, in my life, I've messed up. I've done some horrible things. But it don't have to end there. Mephibosheth's past life did not define his future. And I would say to you, praise God, the table... The tablecloth of grace covered Mephibosheth's feet feet or his disabilities. And the same is for you and me. God's tablecloth of grace covers your disability. And I don't mean that just because a person has went out in sin and has never confessed that. That's not what I'm talking about. But if a person has, has done wrong and has knowledge, confessed it, repented of it, that beautiful tablecloth of grace will cover whatever disabilities that you had in your life. I'm not going to turn to these this morning, 
But there's other Bible characters who received unmerited favor. And I'm sure you could think of a bunch of others, but I'd like to name just a few that I thought of. Number one would be the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Remember the woman at the well? Jesus said, go call your husband. She said, well, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You've had five husbands, the one that you're living with now. He's not your husband. This woman had messed up in life horribly. And yet Jesus reached out to her and made a tremendous difference. I thought of James and John. James and John, if you remember, they were coming to a Samaritan town, they, and the Samaritans didn't receive them. And James and John said, what do you want us to do? You want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did? And Jesus said, you know not of what spirit ye are of. And notice the transformation as James and John spent time with the Master, with Jesus. Notice the transformation. Jesus maybe could have responded. Those James and John, they're a hard case. They're a hard pair. I don't know what I can do with them. He didn't do that. He gave them opportunity. James and John experienced the agape love as well. John chapter 8 is a beautiful account of the woman taken in adultery. And you know that account how Jesus started writing in the sand and in that account the men left from the oldest to the youngest and then Jesus looked at her and she said, well, lady, where's, where's all your accusers? And the accusers had left and Jesus said, Imagine this woman, the horrible things that she had done in life. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Imagine that woman, how she felt, expecting to be stoned by these men who had rocks in their hands. Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. A woman who received unmerited grace. I thought of the demon-possessed man of Gadara in Mark chapter 5. We won't go there either. But imagine a man who was in, living in the tombs, cutting himself. Nobody could bind him. And yet the love of Jesus made a difference in that man's life. And the people from town, they came out and they saw him sitting there clothed and in his right mind. Imagine the transformation. Imagine the love. And that man said, Lord, I'd like to go with you. And he said, well, no. He said, go back into your town and tell people what the Lord has done for you. Unmerited favor. The last one I thought of is Paul the persecutor. Imagine, I don't know what word to use. Imagine all the horrible things that Paul had done to the church of Jesus Christ. And yet Jesus reached out to him there on the Damascus road. And I love that story and I especially love verse 15. Acts chapter 9 verse 15 where Ananias said or Jesus said he, has, he is a chosen vessel unto me. You mean a man that has persecuted church, killed and thrown all these people in prison? He's a chosen vessel to me. Paul received unmerited favor. In conclusion, do you recognize yourself in this beautiful story? 
David said, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Not just kindness, the kindness of God and agape love, not expecting anything returned. What did Mephibosheth have to offer to the king? What do you have to offer to the king? Unmerited favor. Now, if you will allow me to paraphrase that verse, is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? If you'll allow me to paraphrase that, I'd like to do that. I'd like to paraphrase this as if Jesus were saying these words. And if I'm, I don't mean to be sacrilegious. I don't mean to go beyond God's word, but I'd like to paraphrase it this way. I believe Jesus would say today, Is there anyone left of the house of Adam that I may show the love and the kindness of my father? The answer, there is still one. He's got a lot of disabilities. His name is Jay, Mel, Martha, Elam, Kervin. Put your name in there. Jesus said, is there somebody of the children of Adam that I can show kindness and love to? Put your name there. All of us have received unmerited favor, agape-type love from Jesus, drawing us back to the Father. And not only you and me, but Jesus is desiring to show that agape love to millions, to the masses. And I would suggest to you, Jesus tread the road to Calvary to bring you to his table. I'd like to close with, briefly with two short passages. Thinking about the tremendous unmerited favor that you and I have experienced from the Lord Jesus. Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Verse 5, to redeem them. For what purpose to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons? And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Thinking about Mephibosheth, thinking about you and me, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Unmerited favor. You received, I received. We did not deserve it, but we received it. I'd like to close with Luke chapter 12, verse 37. In a parable, Luke chapter 12 Verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Jesus says these words, Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down at meat, and I'm adding at his table, and will come forth and serve them. Brothers and sisters, I don't understand the unmerited favor of God. I don't understand the agape love. 
But in the past, he already demonstrated that when he went to the cross. He willingly walked to that cross, spread his hands and allowed them to pierce them in the hands, in the feet, shedding blood so that we can be redeemed back to the Father. Wouldn't that be enough? And yet in this verse that we read, it, it seems to me that at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the one that has made our salvation possible continues to share that agape love. And he will gird himself and he will serve you as you sit at his table. May God bless you. Shall we have a song?